0: Hey, welcome to the Miss you Day Podcast. Check us out on the web at miss Hey, how's everybody doing today? Great. Great. All right, one person's okay. Thanks, Stanley, for that. This is going to be a call and response Sunday, so I need you to talk back to me. I know this can be somewhat like. We don't want to disturb him, but it's actually very encouraging. Uh-huh. Preach it, preacher. Come on. Give me some mold. You're hitting close. Just some examples. <laughs> so if you like to stand, I'll read from Mark 4. I'm going to read from 1 to 20. We are currently in um, the Gospel of Mark, and it's been amazing. So I'll read this and then talk about the context of the scripture. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And a whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables, and he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed, that some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had not root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, And choked it, and it yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parable, so that seeing they may see And not perceive. In hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven to them. Thanks, son. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. There's their word again, immediately. Now these are the ones sown among thorns and they are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Last time I spoke, I talked about that word euthios, which is immediately or forthwith that Mark seems to like. He mentions it 42 times in scriptures. It is his attempt to move along the narrative of Jesus' life very quickly. And there's a lot of things going on. It's explosions. He's healing the sick. He's confronting leaders in synagogues. He is in the city he is in the country and now we are at the point where he is in a boat sitting and teaching people on the shore about what it means to be a seed and what it means to be a sower so the title of this message is so well so well he was speaking to an agrarian culture which would understood what it means to plant seed and what it means to harvest and how hard that is in a Palestinian world where you have this sun-baked, caked earth that you must somehow yield a crop from. And this also becomes a metaphor as Jesus is speaking to people with many-hearted hearts from years of religion of following a God who doesn't seem to show up, who doesn't seem to do anything but require more and more and demand more and more obedience. But here is Jesus coming to soften these hearts and to begin to show us what it looks like to walk with him every step of the way. And we learn to, to sow well. It says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 that therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the hearts. Then each one's praise Will come from God. This realistically has always been a hard passage of Scripture, and for me, um, about the seed and the sower, because it is, he gives the parable and then he gives the discourse of it. So that very rarely happens where Jesus gives you a whole parable and then says, "Look, this is exactly what it means." He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me tell you exactly. what I'm saying in this passage, me, I'll look at it, and from a topical reading, i say, all right, it means that that's my heart. I need to make sure that my heart is not the rocky soil, right? I need to make sure that my heart is not, like, shallow, <laughs> even though that song is good. But I, I need to make sure, like, that I, I have some depth in my heart, that I'm keeping my heart tender before the Lord so seeds can, can fall into it. Um, And one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 4.23, which is, keep diligent watch over your heart, because from it flow all of the issues of life. Not just some of them. You mean all. You mean relational. You mean financial. You mean um, spiritual. You mean emotional. All of the issues of life flow from the midst of where we are. And you have this sower who is sowing this seed. And I wonder, what is our role and what is our responsibility in this? Well, well, that means that I need to make sure I'm not hardening my heart. I have to keep my heart tender before the Lord because I mean you read this and who wants to be the rocky soil, right? You want to be that that nice, that organic soil, you know what I mean? That you get to put in a raised bed and you get, you know, go to Home Depot, and as soon as you put the seed in there, it just starts to grow immediately, and you know it's gonna be good food because it has no GMOs, right? That's the kind of seed that we want to be. And that's the kind of soil we want to be that takes care of that seed. But you have all these things that happen, lies that come, the enemy who is the, the prince of the power of the air who comes to take things away and remove things from the soil. How, how do we um, position ourselves as, as people of God, as people who are living a life And all we want is nothing to be taken away from us again. Ever been in survival mode where you just can't stand to lose anything else? You ever been in a mode where someone passes away or you're losing a valuable relationship or you're losing a job and you can't stand one more idea of loss? And then all of a sudden you start to hear lies about who you are and who God has called you to be. That is nothing to do with who you actually are. The word sow in this is spiro, the basis of which is spile, which means to draw. And it's the that root word is used in scripture twice to speak about drawing a sword. So sowing becomes this process of us um, violently. Seeing a word that is sown in our hearts. So, who's the sower? It seems like the sower is God, right? The sower is God planting the seeds. I think the sower is us as well. We are allowing whatever words that may be to be sown into our hearts and sown into our minds um, that may not be exactly what He's called. Um, There's a story once, and um, maybe some of you have probably heard it before, but I was in a garden. I feel like so many amazing things happen in gardens. Uh, I was in a garden in the city, and I was watering some plants. And as I'm watering these plants, uh, a guy, my family is there. They're kind of um, playing it and doing some things in the background. And this guy stumbles up to me, and he looks really like the most disturbed um, person I've ever encountered in my life. And he's just coming up. He's mumbling things to himself. He's had kind of just, you know, he looks drunk. He looks high. And I'm like, first thing, I need to protect my family from this dude. (laughs) And he comes up right to me. And as as I start talking to him, he asked me for water. And at the time, I'm just pouring water on these plants. So I'm like, this is the only water I have. So I just, you know, said I can pour out water for you from this. And he starts to, like, splash it over his head and just kind of cool himself off. And as he does that, God starts talking to me about him. And um, I just ask him if I could pray for him. He's like, yeah, you can pray for me. And um, so I just put my hand on my chest, on his chest, and I just start to pray for him. And he just lays his head on my shoulder and just starts weeping. And I'm like, all right, God, what do I do? (laughs) It's kind of weird. He's like, just keep praying for him. So I just keep praying for him, um, and he uh, passes out on the street. (laughs) So this is like broad daylight in Humboldt Park. He passes out on the street. I'm like, all right, God, what do I do? He's like, just keep praying for him. I'm like, oh, cool, all right, this sounds like a good solution. So I'm just have my hand on his chest. It's like a weird little fence between us. So I have my hand over this fence and I'm just like praying for him. If people are driving by, like, what is going on? <laughs> and uh, as, I'm, as I'm praying for him, it's like a couple, two or three minutes or something like that. And he wakes up, he gets up, and he's completely different. So he stopped like babbling words to himself. He's no longer drunk, he's completely sober. And I pray, I'm like, "Are you ready to accept Jesus in your heart?" He's like, "Yes." And I pray for him. He accepts Jesus in his heart, um, and I feel like it's a moment of praying for him where he actually also receives the Holy Spirit. This hasn't happened like a whole bunch of times to me, but and it's hard for me to believe that that's not possible. Seeing this happen, someone who is completely the world would say is out of their mind, but just this little seed of prayer, this little seed of faithfulness planted has completely transformed him. And then he started to tell me about his story. He's like, I was locked up in prison for 11 years. I got out, I'm alone, I don't have anything. All my belongings are in this bag. Uh, And I can imagine the kind of voices and the kind of lies that have been speaking over him. But we, it may seem like we're just walking around um, as people in this world, but we have the ability, the authority to, with a simple prayer, to transform the, the things that people have been going through, the lies that they've been constantly repeating in their mind. And I know we don't think of them that way necessarily. You're just like, it's just stuff I have to deal with, it's things I have to go through. I see these, these things that are happening, these different kinds of soils, is not a declaration of where your heart is. It is not God saying, you know, you got that rocky heart, you need to get it together. I think He is saying, these are the things that seeds have to go through in your life to make it to abundance. He's not saying, look, hey, man, I know you got that shallow heart. You need to get it together so you can get a deep heart. <laughs> and then you look at somebody who prays all the time, you're like, they really got that deep heart. I wish I had that. <laughs> That's not what he's saying at all. He's, he's Because of our worker culture, because of our, like, um, our achievement culture, we look at it and see what the goal is that Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear and let him perceive. I, Jesus, is the plower. So what happened is you had this sower, right, who would go and scatter these seeds. Why would he scatter the seeds everywhere? Because the plower was going to come anyway and turn the seeds into the soil. So you could scatter them on a path. You can scatter them on rocky soil. You can scatter them wherever they were going to be because a plower was going to come along. And the farmer was more like the person who dictated what seeds got planted. But the plower was a servant. He was a low person on a totem pole who came and did this hard work. When Elijah, when Elijah comes to Elisha and says, follow me, and he leaves everything and follows him, Elisha is plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen because that's inheritance. that's his inheritance at the time. So Jesus is turning this soil. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he's turning the hearts of the children to the fathers. See, it, it looks it gives you a different reading of this um, because he's not expecting us to arrive at a, at a moment. He is expecting us to be yielded to his proximity. And as we are yielded to his proximity, then he can turn all the things that we've been through into butter, into straight butter. The word is, <laughs> these words that are stolen by lies is what we have to Go through in life. He's not saying this is a declaration of where you are. He's saying this is what each word has to go through before it survives in us. The enemy is a sucker. Say after me the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Black church, you're going to be saying that every Sunday. Here, you don't say that very often, but it's important to remember. And he is a sucker. Saying all this stuff like you're alone, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you're that, you're rejected. Nobody likes you. You don't have any friends. Like he does all this yapping and all this talking and we sit silently and just like receive these words and let those promises that God has spoken over us be taken. And you're like, I don't have any promises from the Lord. I don't, you know, nobody's given me a prophetic word. I don't know specifically what I'm supposed to be doing in life. I don't understand what my inheritance looks like. You got a book full of them here. I will never leave you or forsake you. My love never fails. Those who abide in me will bear much fruit. So many promises that we get to possess and hide inside of us to see it spring up. Man, it's like one of the tragedies of the Bible is we read it like every other intellectual book we have. It is as if it is some information to be ingested and, and boxed and contained. But this word is life. I don't flip to any page you want. Just flip through it and read it. I bet you it will contain a promise for you that actually can become part of us. I can read Newsweek, I can read a magazine somewhere. I don't know how that becomes a part of me. But as you read scripture and meditate on it, and it becomes a part of who we are. So that sucker is a liar. Words that are stolen by lies is not our destiny, but it is the way things go sometimes. And Jesus will expose the motives of the heart by continuing to turn the soil so they can be forgiven. Um, In James 1, 9 through 12, it says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass its flower fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who loved them. Very often, we imagine that when we receive a promise from the Lord, that it's not going to contain any kind of hardship to have it manifested. That it's not going to require any kind of testing or any perseverance to produce the character in us. God, just give me something that will not require anything from me. And I think that's in our heart's desire to see, to just go straight to the good soil. we It's hard to see how rocky rockiness or having things stolen or lies can actually assist us in this process of growing what God has caused us to be. But the wor- testing the words of the position inside of you. But we can trust that trouble will come to jostle what we hold on as truth. To shake that in the midst of us. Um, because that's the kind of stuff that faith is made of. So why can't I have a word without hardship? Because that is what causes it to grow where it is in its darkness. But I love the fact that that faith is, you know, we're called to have the faith of a child and when things are hidden from us as seeds very often are in the soil, that they are causing us to trust that God has a plan for us. Jesus is called us to have the faith of a child. Anybody know what that means, to have a faith of a child? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure I would be able to have faith more if I had no bills. <laughs> it's something about it's something about the practicality, the cares of the word, world that choke the words. Things that we have to do. All right, God, I got to be Martha right now but Mary has chosen a better way. I'm sorry, but you know, Martha gets the bills paid. Martha's just, Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I ain't got nothing to do with me. (laughs) The practicality, nothing will challenge your faith like paying bills. Nothing will at all. (laughs) She's like, God, I trust you. Uh, Let me take this tithe off. Yeah, do I really have to tithe? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but this is the things that we have to, that words and promises have to go through. I've, I've been feeling lately somewhat apathetic. Um, and I don't know, that's naturally not the way I am. Um, but I think it is a very refined mode of self-preservation. It means if I don't react to, if I don't have a, uh, a vested interest in any of my promises or anything working out, if I'm not believing in a faith with the word that's preserved inside of me, then I don't have to be disappointed. And this world that we live in with that word, I think that Josh, uh, or the phrase that he spoke about when he was here, which is uh, compassion fatigue where we hear all these stories of different things, this mass shooting here, this person has gotten killed here, this has happened all over the world, that it makes us really a hyper-awareness of how hurtful it is to feel and to believe and to trust. But isn't that what planting is all about? It's about trusting that some plant, some water, but it's the Lord that brings the increase. And I wanna dig up all the promises I have right now (laughs) and see where they are, because there are so many that I haven't seen any sprout from at all. I don't know if they exist, I don't know if they're still there, I know the good plower, Jesus, is still walking with me and still turning the soil and still allowing my heart to be refined. But where are they? This is tougher than I thought it was going to be. I want to get rid of this word. I don't want to pay attention to it anymore. I don't want to draw these things from my heart anymore. I'm just done. I'm tired. I don't need this anymore. But we know that with each child and perseverance, it brings character. And it begins to bring transformation when we're actually walking with the very word that's released over us. And that word is Jesus. I love to think about how the sower sows the word. And these are the ones wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and a desire for other things entering choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundredfold. How do we accept the promises of God with grace? In John 15 and 5. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. In the process of expecting 30, 60, and 100 fold to come from soil, these farmers would have understood that the normal um, yield from a crop in Palestine was seven to one. 30 times what you planted was an impossibility to think of, and it actually nodded towards people shrugging off the shackles of slavery, shrugging off the shackles of being tied to land that they didn't own, that they were doomed to work forever. And Mark, in this way, is always pointing us back towards the revolutionary nature of what Jesus spoke. He wasn't just giving you a parable, a nice story to think about. He was showing you how the Father has actually reformed the kingdom and restructured everything we imagine, um, and it's supposed to happen in the way it's be in the way it's supposed to be. But I think of it as like sharecropping. Believe it or not, my grandfather was a sharecropper. That means slavery wasn't that long ago. <laughs> my father was a sharecropper, and what it he did was he had land that was he didn't own that he worked and gave all of the income from the land to an owner, and. The expectation was that he would work that land forever. With seven or eight kids, he always had a lot of jobs and pastored and planted churches. And he was just an amazing, amazing man of God. Um, But I imagine that as we accept the words that God has given us with grace, then not only is the word planted well inside of us, but it yields a crop that's beyond anything that we can possibly pull in. Worship team, you wanna come on up? So I just wanna take a second to, if there's anybody here who just feels like they're promises that there are things that are still dead that you haven't seen any life from. Would you just stand? I just want to pray for you right now in this moment Um, and just encourage you. Just thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this moment today. Yeah, just anybody would like who's been expecting things to happen for so long, you've been expecting this goodness to bubble up, this abundance to happen, and it hasn't happened quite yet. I just want to pray for you um, that you would be encouraged and know that you are walking with the great plower who is continually turning our hearts and turning and breaking up this hard soil. And the scriptures, they call it fallow ground, the ground that nothing has grown from for so long that it seems that nothing can. But I just want to pray for you in this moment to encourage you to not give up on his promises for you. Father, I just thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else, just be encouraged. I thank you, Father, by your spirit that you are constantly calling us into a place of joy, that you are constantly calling us into a place of love. I just pray now for all those promises, God, that don't seem to have any root God for all those words that you've released that haven't yet yielded your abundance God I pray that in faith we would know that you are growing something in us that can never be taken away and that can never be removed I thank you God that your promises are sure that your healing is sure and that your resurrection for us always brings life and I just pray God that you would be the comforter of our souls as you are and present with us in every moment Jesus pray for your spirit to be right here with us through our hardships and trials and persecutions. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time where we'll be able to respond to what God is doing and what he's done with communion. We'll have a couple people on the back if you would like to receive prayer. Uh, I just want you to think about this time the things that you may have forgotten about, promises that are impossible at this point, that God still has a plan for you to receive the abundance of